Welcome to One to Watch Wednesday featuring independent and emerging artists from across Canada. My name is Sarah Scott and thanks for hanging out today. As you know, DRC Music does sponsor One to Watch Wednesday and they are with the town of Stony Plain all summer long. They are hosting summer sessions. They've had live music over the last several weeks and they have a few more to go. If you are listening on July 21st, tonight you have to go to Heritage Park in Stony Plain to watch Rooks and special guest Charlie Arnold. Charlie's on at 6.30 and Rooks are on at 7 as the headliners and they are a fantastic rootsy rock band out of Calgary. These shows are open to the public, tickets are not required, and if you can't make it down to Stony Plain to watch these live shows, you can catch them on the Town of Stony Plains Facebook or YouTube channels or DRC's Facebook as well. Concerts are going to be happening rain or shine and the gates are going to open each night at 5.30. And check out stonyplain.com for all the concert details. In the spotlight this week, Misha and the Spanx. And I had the opportunity to catch up with Misha of the band to talk about how she got her band started, how her band member Sean got involved with the band, about their last album, Girls, 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 and all the amazing things it did for them. We also talked about them opening up for Queens of the Stone Age and how cool that was, and how cool they are. And also we talked about their latest EP, Singles. And you're also going to hear two songs off that EP, singles unstoppable and want to feel good i'm really excited about this episode so let's get right on into it i really like the fact that you were trying to start a band of your own design where the members could be moving parts but it was yours and you could tour and write and release as you wanted to and as you saw fit which is pretty darn cool so tell us about the early days of misha and the spanx and then we'll talk about how sean joined Yeah. So, I mean, I started this band pretty soon after my prior band, Bogart, broke up. I'd been in a series of bands where it was all like like a team, like a collaborative effort and everyone put in their work. But then we'd break up and you'd kind of lose everything and all of the work that you've done and the songs that you've written. And I was tired of doing that because I wasn't in a band just to have fun. Like, of course, it's great and fun playing music, but this was like a dream and a goal of mine. And I wanted this to be my full-time thing. So I really needed to just start something that was mine. Whoever was, you know, had the time and was crazy enough to go on all the tours I wanted to do, they could join the band until it didn't work for them anymore. And then there could be somebody else. And that's how I rolled for the first, I don't know how many years of the band. Sean joined in 2015 after my previous drummer Amelia moved to Victoria and he just was totally made of the same stuff that I was and comes from like a punk rock background and do-it-yourself sort of ethos and wanted to tour all the time and his goal is to be a full-time musician as well and so we just we worked really well together and had the same goals and were able to do so many of the things we wanted to do and we have a great relationship like our temperament is very similar so we can be in the van together for 14 hours and no problem. It works out really well. And collaboratively, we write really well together. And so it just kind of fit into place. Like I can't really imagine adding anybody after him. That might just be the end of the Spanx. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I heard here that he is the longest standing member of Misha in the Spanx with you, of course. And so the kind of answer to my question is what enticed you to want him to <laughs> bring him on board, of course, which is awesome. But when you saw him in previous performances and in previous acts, because he has been in a couple, what made you really want him to join before you did get to know him and before you did learn that he was such a kick butt 
drummer. And I also heard that the proposal to be in your band started at a swim up bar in Mexico. <laughs> How did that conversation <laughs> <Yes>. go? <laughs> okay. So first of all, I didn't know that Sean was a great drummer. We like met at like, we, have them, we were both in the Calgary music scene for quite a long time. We knew who each other were, but we didn't meet until both of our bands were in Toronto playing Canadian music week. We were on the same showcase. I've only ever seen him as a singer and guitar player. So it never even occurred to me that he would play with me. But I saw him then play in some like fast kind of like punk bands, like good punk bands. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need a fill-in drummer for something. And he offered to do it. And I was like, okay, I'll just pick like the easiest songs because it's a three song thing. We'll just get it done. And he showed up to band practice and he had learned the whole record and he played it maybe even better than the record sound. And I was like, oh, you're a drummer drummer? Like I didn't really know you were a drummer. And I guess he was a drummer first but for a long time he just played the role of lead guy in his punk bands and so I didn't even know he was so great on drums and once I did know then we started playing together more and more and he started filling in more and more for Amelia as she kind of became less interested in the band she had another band on the go that was her main project and so once she actually officially left I got a text when we were on a group trip to Mexico me and Sean and a bunch of our other musician friends were all at like an all-inclusive we were at the swim-up bar and so I asked Sean like very officially while we were there like will you be the full-time member of Misha and the Thanks. And he accepted and it was like a wedding proposal and the whole <laughs> swim up bar had tequila. <laughs> it, was, it was like a great celebration. It was pretty fun. It was pretty silly, but it was great. That sounds like so much fun. And like you guys have just been working so well together over the last five years. And you have opened up for some pretty big names like Queens of the Stone Age, Death from Above 1979, Hot Snakes, Rain Wolf, and many more. And that is so awesome. What was it like opening for them? I mean, like, geez, some of them were such big deals like Queens of the Stone Age. When I got the email for that, I thought like it was a, maybe a joke. I was like, is this a real email? I had to show my sister because she works in like the in music industry as well. And I was like, is this real? And she's like, yeah, that's a real email. I was like, oh my gosh. I'd had guy answered yes, of course, right? And try to figure out what was going on. And I guess they had been touring with Deep Valley in the US, which is a two-piece band there. Really awesome rock and roll. But they weren't coming to Canada. And so they needed to find other two-piece bands to open for that tour because they wanted to keep the stage set up a certain way and they wanted limited gear just in front of them. And so everyone they asked in Calgary, the promoters, all we were on everybody's list of two-piece bands. So we got asked first. So I was, otherwise, I was like, how would they even know to ask us? Like, this is such a weird thing to happen. But we played and like, I kind of thought it was going to be one of those shows where the really huge band doesn't even interact with you. They don't see your set. They show up when it's their turn to play and then they're out of here. But they showed up halfway through our set, side stage, cheering us on, like applauding, gave us hugs in the hallway after and just talked to music shop with us all night afterwards backstage. It was incredible. That was like not at all what I was expecting from a band as big as Queens of the Stone Age. And then Hot Snakes was like totally a dream come true for me. They're one of my favorite bands forever. They broke up so long ago and then they started doing these reunion dates in the U.S. And I knew Sled Island was coming up. And my friend Lindsay was booking the festival back then. And I was like, are you getting hot snakes? And she's like, no, they already turned it down. Don't get any big ideas. And I was like, oh, I just have this feeling. And I had a dream that we opened up for them. And I was like, I know it. I know they're coming. And the very last day of announcement of bands, they announced hot snakes because they had just said yes the night before. And so all these pieces kept moving and putting together. And I'm like, I had this dream. I know we're going to open for this band. They had already booked the openers. And so we weren't really on there. And I just kind of kept swinging by the office and like bringing some hot snacks. And then <laughs> at the very last minute, they decided 
decided to throw us on the very opening spot and hot snakes as well. We're such great guys. And they talked to us after our show and were very encouraging and totally like the set. And we got to play with these really big bands and they were really down to earth guys. And it really made, it makes such a difference. It really makes it feel like tangible. Like these are real people. And, and like, you could get into that position yourself one day. That's absolutely incredible. What was some of the best advice that you've gotten throughout your career from maybe one of these bands or from maybe someone else in the industry or that, you know, well, something that I kind of like to stick with, and I'm not even sure who told me this. I think I've kind of just heard this a few times. When you do uh, certain industry showcases, you'll get like written down notes about your performance and it can be like a lot of criticisms, but these people don't really know who you are. Yeah, they're industry professionals, but they might not know the whole scope of what you're going for. And so of every like 10 things that's brought to you, there is at least two useful things in there. Like of everyone's critiques, like I guess you would say that for the general public, for everything. Of, of all of the community, a list of things kind of against you, take two things out of that and try to apply that. And like always just keep going. I think the biggest thing that I always recommend to people is that like, it can be really hard. It can be very discouraging in this industry. You know, you're always, you're in the spotlight, you're under the scope. People might not get what you're doing hundred percent off the bat. And I think it's important to just take everything in and keep going because it's a hard job to do and people drop off all the time. And the longer you do it, the better you get at your craft, the more you understand your audience and the more you can accomplish. Definitely. That is such a cool way and such a great way of looking at that. I absolutely love that. So the next question here is going to lead us into the first song that we're going to play here in a couple seconds called Unstoppable. But we have to talk about the answer that you answered on another interview where you asked, what makes you feel unstoppable? So you and Sean have a game where you like to play halfway through the tour, <laughs> where you like to challenge yourselves to play this game where you don't stop between songs and you just play the whole set in one go. That just seems wild, but exciting. And I can't wait to experience that one day. That'd be pretty fun. But how did that start? And how do those shows go? And I mean, how does the audience react to that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the right, it has to be the right audience too, right? Because if you can't do something like that at a show where you're expected to play 45 minutes, because that's going to take a ton of songs to squish into that space. So I think it's kind of a 20 to half hour set sort of max and you would squish your 45 minute set into that time frame. And we started doing that. I guess it just became, yeah, like it was a game. We were playing some shows that were more DIY venues where that kind of thing would be fun. Like the audience would be into something like that. We did it successfully for the first time on tour, I think for the Girls, Girls, Girls album tour. And we were in Moncton and we were playing like a very DIY space. It was a house that has concerts in the basement and we just like pummeled through it. I think it was easily the sweatiest show we've ever played because we were trapped in this hot box with so many kids rocking out so hard and we just didn't stop the entire time. I guess we just kind of were challenging ourselves as we were going because it was a tour that went along with an album. We were playing pretty much the same set every night and we wanted to just switch things up a little bit without losing any of the tracks. We started doing like four songs together with a break and then five songs together and then we just kind of <laughs> evolved into playing every single single track, no stopping. Wow. That sounds exciting and sweaty at the same time and very <laughs> rocking. <laughs> so the song Unstoppable, I absolutely love it. It has this drive that just like obviously makes you feel unstoppable, of course. And I was listening to it a couple of minutes ago and I'm like, yeah, it's like anthemic. It is really good for just rolling down the windows in your car and just singing along to it. So Unstoppable, tell us a bit about the song here before we play it. Well, this song was the first one that I wrote for this album, right? Kind of when my maternity leave was supposed to be wrapping up. I just had my twins in September. 
And I was getting ready to do a bunch of stuff in the spring and summer. Of course, COVID would hit and none of that would happen. But I really needed to amp myself up. I was just feeling, I guess, like every new mom kind of is. And you just sort of run down and you're not feeling quite like your old self. Like we used to be so busy and be touring and recording and writing and doing all this stuff all the time. And there was so much time in between when we had done that. And I wrote that song for myself to kind of get myself going and remember what it felt like to just be you know, moving full throttle. And, and uh, I, I mean, it worked because I, I just kind of kicked me in the butt and got me moving on everything else. And I'm, I'm stoked to hear when other people feel unstoppable listening to it. Here it is. This is Unstoppable by Misha and the Spanx on One to Watch Wednesday.
is Unstoppable by our guest, Misha and the Spanx. Now we're going to talk about your critically acclaimed 2018 LP, Girls, 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 which we just kind of talked about a couple of minutes ago. And it gained you guys some pretty big accolades and accomplishments. The album reached number one on Earshot's National Loud Charts. It had singles hit number seven on CBC3 and number one on the Indigenous Music Countdown. You received multiple ads on SiriusXM Canada. It even got attention on their US station of SiriusXM. And at the YYC Music Awards, you brought home Rock Recording of the Year and Single of the Year for Summer Love, as well as you got Female Artist of the Year. Yeah. Congratulations on that. And then Thank it was, <laughs> and then it was accompanied by 30 dates across Canada. That is so yeah. big. Like that album just did so great for you guys. Yeah, and it's so good. So tell us a bit about that album and what it meant to you and how it's even still going to this day. Well, that album, I mean, we flew to the UK to record that with the drummer from the Buzzcocks, who um, I've been doing some session work with him over the years since I met him at Sled Island in 2011. He does a lot of writing and recording for songs that are used for film and TV and that sort of thing. And so I would do the odd vocals. But after a while, my engineer here in Calgary was like, you should do an album with him. And so I asked and he was into it and stoked. And so we decided to mid-Canadian tour we flew to the UK and then recorded the album flew back to like Montreal and picked up tour again which was uh, which was a lot I'm not sure I would do it that <laughs> way again but it kept us in the zone of writing so when we were spent 10 days in, in Brighton we were just totally working on this record and some of the songs were half written some of them we were playing on tour already and some stuff we wrote while we were there it was just so great to be totally condensed in that environment working with such a talented guy on the song it took a while for like the mixing and everything to happen. We released it over a year after we recorded it and it just went so well. And I think because normally we work very fast, you know, when we record something and we'll release it right away and we'll tour it right away. And all of that time in between, I mean, it really just helped create a really high quality record. And it was so great that it was so well accepted. I mean, we, yeah, I don't know. It kind of, it didn't take me by surprise. I guess the kind of stuff you always hope for. And we actually got a lot of the success that I was hoping for. And so it, it really meant a lot. Some of those songs still get a lot of play on different radio shows and, and I'll get, and like on Spotify, I can see some of those songs are still doing quite well. It wasn't really a too thematic, the album Girls, 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 mm -hmm. but each song, well, they all kind of come from my own experiences, but they were just, the songwriting was just honed in a little bit better having such a great team. So awesome. Let's uh, let's talk about your new EP singles. And you mentioned in another interview that the singles EP was a different release cycle for you and you did it a bit differently. And it was through the pandemic last year. And when you started, you really weren't sure what was going to happen with touring and festivals or anything. So you figured out your best move was to start moving music forward and getting it out there. So explain how you guys did pivot with this release technique and how you guys did have to pivot throughout COVID. Yeah, it's been a really interesting release cycle. We're a very live band. We incorporate a lot of tours and festivals into our releases. And so we've had zero of that. So what we kind of did was take the kind of radio success that we had from Girls, Girls, Girls and apply some of that same strategy. So we released Unstoppable before the full singles EP was actually even finished recording because we didn't know if we were going to get back into the studio to finish it. Like we didn't know what the lockdowns were going to be like. We knew we wanted to release something soon. So we're like, we'll just go ahead and get a single out there in the world and figure out what's happening after that. And so then we finished recording in July 
we were like, okay, well, let's just stick with this cycle because we, we just don't know what's going to happen. And so we did another single in September, but we were able to add a music video to that because I think some of the restrictions had kind of lifted around that time. Trying to do music videos and singles, like you have to have like a crew. So there also has to be no restrictions down for you to make the music video. And so we've just been juggling and trying to like take whatever, whenever there's like some room and a window to get something done, we just do it to kind of help get ready for the release. So it's been kind of a strategy of radio and music videos and then leading up to the release of the EP, still no live dates. So we weren't really feeling the live streams too much. Like personally, when I'm watching any rock bands do live streams, they only really sound good if the sound production is like really high. And it's so expensive to to do that when you're a loud artist. So we decided to kind of dial it back and not do a full stream. And we instead did our web series, Spanx World. The one idea, we were making Spanx World and we were, didn't actually have a name for it yet. And one of us, I think it was me, I think I just kind of blurted it out and we couldn't like unhear it. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it just kind of took over and we're like, I think that's what it has to be now, <laughs> which would have little episodes, four weeks leading up to the release. Every week we'd focus on talking about uh, different songs and we would have performances from our jam space, which we brought an engineer to make sure we had a good quality sound for that. And we filmed it over two days, made it into four episodes and did that to kind of get some stuff moving before the release came out. That's so exciting. Where can everybody catch Spanx World? It's on all of our um, socials. So it's on our Facebook video, Instagram, TV, and also on YouTube. It's just spread out everywhere so that it's accessible to however people watch vids. Everything's been very digital, very online. I'm definitely feeling a hit on like campus radio. Normally we would be touring to all these places and stopping in at these stations and there'd be more reason to keep playing the record. And, and I mean, there's just not as much. People, a lot of people are releasing things and it's kind of like campus is giving everybody a turn, which is awesome, but we're not seeing that that high charting that we would normally get if we were going to these places. I mean, that's just a hit that we just had to take. I don't know if maybe when we are able to tour again in the fall or next spring, if that's going to be too late. It's a weird time to be releasing music. It is, but I think it's so great that you guys still went forward with it and that you guys are still pursuing it because it's so good. So thank you for bringing out music and bringing (laughs) out singles, you know, love new music all the time. And this album, or excuse me, this EP was done down in Lethbridge at Leroy Sager's Rebel Tone Ranch. That is really, really cool to hear. So what made you want to go down there to Lethbridge to record the CP at Rebel Tone? Well, originally we were thinking of playing with these songs and kind of making them a little more accessible, getting less noisy with our music because we, even though it's only two of us, we do get quite loud. Leroy's a great guy for that. He comes from a punk rock background and he plays really more radio accessible Americana type stuff. Now, while we weren't going to change genres, we thought his production perspective could maybe polish things up in a way that would make us try out a bit of a new sound. But because he was comes from this punk rock background and this total music authenticity place, he was really stoked to turn us up. He's like, you guys are a loud rock band. Why would we get any quieter? We're going to get noisier. And so it it became a different experience than we were expecting, but we are really happy and stoked that we made this music. And I think he was definitely the right guy for that. Singles EP is out now. And the song we're going to play here to wrap up our interview for One to Watch Wednesday is Want to Feel Good. Once again, a super sing-alongable too. It is so catchy and so great for summer. So tell us a bit about this song. 
this was the last song that got added to the singles EP. We were just the maybe days before we actually, I think it was the day before we were going in to do our last session in the studio. And I was trying to finish up this other song that we actually ended up scrapping because I took a break and I started messing around with this riff and it just took over and I couldn't get it out of my head. And so I, I just started writing this song based on the riff and I started writing about, I was kind of going through the steps of like, whenever I, in the past, I was frustrated writing, like what were some of the things that I would do when, you know, when I was like single and had no kids and would lived downtown down the street from, you know, broken city or any of the local clubs, I could go check out some live music. And I just wrote the song about, about that, all the things I would do to like make myself feel good when I took a break from writing, come home at the end of the night and I would finish the song. So I just kind of took a trip down memory lane a little bit with that and just pumped the song out. We finished writing it in the studio on the drive from Calgary down to Lethbridge. I played the demo for Sean and we kind of worked out the arrangement on the drive, showed it to Leroy that day. And then the next day we recorded and spit it out. And I I just love when a song comes together so quickly like that. That's awesome. And here it is. This is Wanna Feel Good. Thank you so much for joining us, Misha. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
There is Wanna Feel Good by Misha and the Spanks. And a few minutes ago, you heard their song, Unstoppable. A big thanks going out to Misha for hanging out on One to Watch Wednesday this week. You can find all their music, including those two songs, on anywhere you buy, download, or stream your music. You can watch Spanks World on their Facebook page, and you can follow along on their musical journey on all social media platforms. A big thank you going out to DRC Music for sponsoring One to Watch Wednesday. For more details on summer sessions that they're holding with the town of Stony Plain at Heritage Park every Wednesday until August 11th, check out stonyplain.com or DRC Music's Facebook page. Rooks and Charlie Arnold are tonight at 6.30 is Charlie and 7 o'clock it's Rooks. Head on down, it's going to be so much fun. My name is Sarah Scott. Thank you so much for listening today and have a great rest of your day.